just don't know where the Spirit's going. <laughs> so welcome, everyone. I am overwhelmed with just the goodness of God. I have just been reflecting all this week, as I said, on the faithfulness and the goodness of God through the trials and the difficulties and the hardships of life. Today we conclude a five-part message series called Stand. And over the past five weeks, we've been taking a look at five stories from an amazing Old Testament book called Daniel. If you missed any of them, you can go online and watch them. But today, I don't want to take time to review all the four. But today is... Stand firm. Stand firm in the fire. And when I use the word fire, I use it synonymous with also trials, hardships, adversities, pain, sorrow, suffering. The reality is, there are many of us going through difficulties. I, I was just talking to a board member who's on the Freehold Regional School. And he says this year, they've never seen so much stress and tension among students and outbreaks of fights in high school. And it's just a period in which we're in where... We have so many divided opinions, strong opinions, and when we express them, you know that passes down to our students. And before you knew, our students are, you know, a drop, you know, they're like us, and, and they start expressing it. And before you know, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable what's taking place. Can I, can I just share with you my quick review about life? Can I just give you a quick review of how I view this journey called life. Either you're coming out of a difficult time or you're in a difficult time or you are headed towards a difficult time. Now, in between, there are good times. But life is a matter of peaks and valleys. You know what the problem is? Many of us just want to live on the plain with a couple peaks in between. <laughs> and there are a lot of Christians who believe that we should not suffer. But Phil, your, your favorite verse, John 16, 33, you, you say it all the time. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I told uh, the second service last week, I Finally retired my, I didn't retire it, I'm just retiring it from bringing here because it's so gross and it's, it's bad after 35 years of hard work and new covers and I was sitting in church a couple weeks ago and my wife goes, that's disgusting. <laughs> Rachel won't even touch it. <laughs> it is, it's, it's bad. So I got a new Bible. And it's called the Fire Bible. It's a Pentecostal study Bible that the superintendent... I figured if my wife says my Bible is disgusting and our superintendent gives me a new Bible, it's time for a new Bible. 
My new Bible says it this way, the New Living Translation. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Before we dive into Daniel chapter 3, I want to read a passage of scripture to you that will direct where we're going today. And I pray, in fact, can we pray? Let's bow our heads for prayer right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that in the next few moments, Lord, you will minister by your Holy Spirit to our hearts, through our ears, what the Spirit would say throughout this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter says it this way, these trials, what you're going through right now, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. In other words, what you are going through reveals the quality and the depth of your faith. It's being tested. Have you ever asked the Lord, well, why does my faith need to be tested? Because you know, need to know what it's made of. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring. Oh, so that when your faith Remain strong through the many trials. What's it going to bring? Come on. It's going to bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Keep that in your memory bank. Here's where we're going today. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted if your faith was never tested, how could you know it could be trusted? Think about that. I like to think of it the other way. If my faith is never tested, how do I know what it's made of? How do I know what I believe can be tested? But it's through the trials that our faith is tested. And as I have looked back this whole week, at what I have gone through in life, I realize I have a faith, a belief in Jesus Christ that no matter where this life takes me, my faith in him can be trusted. Well, we're in Daniel chapter 3. And let me just give you a, a little background because we're going to... Today, look at three teenagers. They're probably be the, between the ages of 16 and 20 at this point in life. We're going to look at three teenagers whose life was tested. Right at the beginning, we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar, how he was an evil king. And after about four years, five, reign, five years into his reign in Babylon... 
he decides to construct a golden statue, 90 feet high. Now, if you don't know how 90 feet high is, Phil, from the floor to the ceiling, is it 23 feet? 23 feet. So four times as high as this ceiling. Four times as high. He constructs a golden statue. And he constructed it because he wants everyone to bow down before it. He tells the government leaders, the advisors, the judges, the magistrates, the treasurers, to come to this dedication here in Babylon. And he sends out a herald. And a herald says, people of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horns, the flute, the zither, zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden stature. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. I'm just curious, and, and don't be embarrassed, but if you've never heard this story before of Daniel chapter 3 of the fiery furnace, just raise your hand. It's a very familiar story, but yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I see some hands. Thank you for your honesty. And maybe you're too embarrassed to raise your hand, but that's Okay. Meshach, Shadrach, and the Bendigo. Three teenagers who were taken into exile along with Daniel. And they say, some people say, where's Daniel at this time? If you read footnotes, they, they think Daniel is not a part right now of this. And if you don't know the story, when the instruments are played, Everyone is bowing down except for three teenage boys. This morning I want us to take a look at three qualities of what it takes to stand in faith as we navigate the fire, as we navigate the trials, the difficulties. Three qualities. First, in this story we see Faith obeys God instead of following men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. How bold is that? Three teenagers staring the king an eminent death, saying, We don't have to give an account. We don't have to defend ourselves. This isn't between you and us. This is between us and God. And we don't need to give you an answer. They didn't even think about it. They didn't even pray about it. They didn't even fast about it. For goodness sakes, they didn't even take this dramatic event in their life and post it in graphic language on Facebook for a consensus of what they should do. Yeah. 
They just knew that they were to obey God. Period. End of the story. Even though it meant being thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, can I be honest? I've thought about ways... Maybe they could have rationalized the compromise. We're good at that, aren't we? A lot of times, if, if you know, instead of obeying because it could cost, we start to rationalize a compromise. And I'm sure that they, when everybody else was bowing, they could have said, hey guys, we better bow too. But we could just fake it. We don't have to worship this statue. In fact, we can bow and in our hearts we could be singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee. And we could fake it, guys. And God would know our heart. Or, have you ever, have you ever done this before? Well, well, we'll just go ahead and bow. And in the morning, we'll just ask God to forgive us. We're, we're good at that, aren't we? Well, God will understand. And, and just this one time, besides I can seek his forgiveness in the morning, so I... Or they could have used maybe the rationalization of sometimes common sense. If we don't, we're going to die. And if we die, then who's going to be able to tell the people about the Jehovah in whom we serve? But they knew to obey God instead of following man. I can guarantee you that as a follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be times in your life where your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is going to try to compromise your values. He's going to try to get you to compromise your values, your position, your walk, and what he has called you to do in life. We all have a purpose. And that old enemy is going to try to get you to compromise your position so you don't fulfill the purpose for what God called you to do. I was called into ministry my winter year of my junior semester in high school. I remember as a junior in high school one night just being at the altar of a Fairmount Methodist church and I just felt the, the presence, the power of God and his call upon my life to go into ministry. I was 16 at the time. I remember when in April of spring that year, 19, uh, yeah, 1980, 1987, no, 1977, turning 17, getting my license. And this is how I thought, if I'm going to enter ministry, I have to go to college. If I have to go to college, I need money to pay the bill. Because the more money I make, the less financing I'll have to do. So I remember getting a job at the uh, AMP in Chester, New Jersey, riding up uh, to go to work. 
And I, do you remember your first days of employment? Remember that first check? It was like, wow. And I realized that I needed a lot more. I had visited Valley Forge at the time, Valley Forge Christian College. I, I knew I wanted to go there. And I started to think to myself, the more money I make, the less debt I can incur, the better off I'll be. I went to my high school counselor and I said this, guidance counselor. I said, listen, I know what I want to do in life. I want to be a minister. I want to go to Valley Forge. I know it's going to take money. So I want to combine all my classes so I can get out in December my senior year. She says, young man, you won't want to do that. You won't want to miss out on the fun of your senior year. And she talked me out of it. That summer... I worked for the high school. I, I was a janitor in the, in the uh, summer and helped janitors. But then at night, I also worked at the AMP. I was working from 7 to 3.30, going home, showering, working the 5 to 10 shift at the AMP, double, double duty, working on Saturdays. They knew not to put me in on Sundays because I asked not to get on Sundays. And I'm telling you, I'm collecting two paychecks now. Now I'm seeing that you can earn money, and the more money, the less debt for college. And I remember towards the end of the summer, uh, when I was working at the high school, I went into the guidance counselor, and I said, listen, I talked to my other guidance counselor. She's not here, but I know where I want to do. I know where I want to go. I know how much money I'm going to need. I need to get out of here in December so I can work. She arranged all my classes, and when December came, I said goodbye to all my high school friends. Now I needed a full-time job because the A&P wouldn't employ me full-time. So I started loading milk trucks at Welch Farms in Long Valley, New Jersey. I went to the A&P to give my two weeks notice. The manager comes up to me, he goes, you're leaving us? We knew you were going to graduate in December. And we wanted to talk to you about offering you a full-time job. And we know that you turn 18 in April. And we wanted to offer you the job of an assistant manager in charge of the dairy. Full benefits fits $25,000 a year. And in 1978, that was pretty good money. I remember hopping in my 1971 Ford Torino, driving home. I went in and said, Dad, they're offering me to be an assistant manager, $25,000 a year, full benefits. And he says, Freddie, that's what he'd call me, Freddie, you got a lot to think about. And remember lying in bed for about a week just praying. Faith obeys God, not man. It doesn't rationalize. It doesn't compromise. It doesn't settle. It obeys God. God, you called me into full-time ministry. In the name of Jesus, Satan, get behind me. Faith obeys God. Instead of man.
Faith believes in spite of what it sees. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save. Aren't you glad that God is all-powerful? And, and not only is he able to save, what do they say next? And he, what? Will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Listen, it's one thing to know that God is all-powerful and he's able. It's another thing to know that he's willing. And there are times in life that no matter what your circumstance looks like, you got to say that not only is my God all-powerful and able, I know that my God is willing. When you see a bad health report, you got to know that your God is able and willing to heal. When you're in a bad relationship, you know that your God is able to heal and is willing to restore. When you're you look at your finances and they're in disaster. You got to know that your God is able and willing to provide. What do we do? We trust God. But in the midst of the fire and the difficulties, we also have to realize not only is he able, but we have to get us to the point where he is willing. And when we get to the point where he's able and then he's willing... Well, then we have to let God do the rest. You see, because what he asks us to do is just faith, trust, and believe. He's called us to pray and to believe. I know this in the King James. I'm sorry. It's just, there's some verses, man. I, I feel like I'm learning a new language with a new Bible. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. If you think about that, if you ever wake up some night and you can't get to sleep, think about exceedingly abundantly above. Exceedingly abundantly above. Exceedingly abundantly above more. And we can even ask or think or see according to the power that worketh in us. My God, those three boys, King, not only is he able, but we know that he is willing. I know I told the story before, but there's so many new people. I, I, I reflect upon it this week, and I told my wife I was going to share it. She says, okay, hon. We met in the spring of my senior year, 1978, we were both 18 to, from different high schools. We met in an interdenominational singing group. That's when we started going out the summer of 1978. That's when summer loving had me a blast, you know, Greece. And we had a blast. Man, it was coming home from work and just wanting to see her from loading milk trucks all day and September rolls around. She goes to a little Christian college in Kentucky. And I go to Valley Forge in Pennsylvania. Mind you, before cell phones, when you saved your quarters and you went to the pay phone, 
and three minutes cost you $60.50? You know what a relationship's like trying to three hours once a week? Cards, letters. And around the middle of November, I started to notice the cards were coming less and less and had stopped. The three-minute phone calls, which seemed to be too short, now seemed to be too long. The woman that God put in my life to marry, I now got a Dear John letter from her. Don't write or call. God, you're all powerful, you're able, but quite frankly, I don't know if you're willing on this one. I didn't eat, didn't sleep. My immune system became compromised. I identified with Job, you know, boils, carbuncles, Google it. I was a sick boy. Came home at Christmas time, Christmas Eve service. We went to the same church. I was like, this is going to be awkward. She sat down in front with her parents. I sat in the back with my parents. Not even a glance. Not even a turn. Come on, how many has been there before? God, I know that you're able, but honestly at this point, I am not willing you're talking to a German here. I'm stubborn. And if there's any hope for this relationship, she's going to have to call me. Because I'm done. Remember, the week after Christmas, I was down in the basement. We had a pool table down there. For those who don't, Heather's an excellent pool player. We used to play pool all the time, and I was just down there playing pool. Dad was sitting working at his desk. Phone rings. I hear my mom at the top of the basement stairs. Jeff, Heather's on the phone. Sometimes when we're willing, God is. I pick up the phone. She goes, can we meet and talk? And before Shania Twain made it popular, I said, let's go, girl. Wasn't it Shania Twain? And the rest is history. Listen. Faith believes in spite of what it sees. And even if your prayer does not get answered the way you want it, Let's go one more step. I love the next verse in this story. Faithful obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. God just wants us to remain faithful, obedient, prayer, and fasting. And the outcome 
is left up to him. King, our God is able and he's willing. But even if he doesn't, wow. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never bow down and serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. My goodness, give it up for the boys. Hallelujah. And some of you who know the stories are saying to yourself, well, that's simple to say because they're rescued. But they didn't know they were going to be rescued. They had no idea they were going to be delivered. I read that passage. Sometimes I just shudder at the amazement of their faith. So what does the king do? The king calls his three strongest men in the kingdom. And what does the king have them do? He binds them. Listen, my friends, you got to listen to this right away. Satan wants to bind you. That's the first thing he wants you to do. That's the first thing. He wants to restrict you. He wants to contain you. He wants your limited. He wants you limited. He wants your freedom in Christ taken away. He wants to bind you with his strong men. Secondly, after he binds you, he, he's going to turn up. The furnace seven times hotter. The king sets the furnace seven times hotter. So hot that when the three men who throw them in, they die instantly from the heat. Here's something interesting. Do you know there are some people who are never going to make it to the fire? There are some people who are going to bow down and never make it to the fire. They're going to compromise They're going to give up. They're going to quit. They're not even going to make it to the fire. There are others who are going to make it to the door of the fires, and they give up. They die. But there are some who are going to enter the fire. And they were thrown in. Scripture says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished as he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Hey, didn't we cast three men, bound them into the midst of the fire? They answered to the king, true, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Can I tell you something? God never leaves you or forsake you. And sometimes his presence is the greatest in the fire and the trials of life. And they noticed, they saw 
that the fire had not harmed them. It didn't harm their bodies. Their hairs on their heads were not singed. Their robes were not scorched. And, and there was no smell of fire on them. But you know what I realized this week? The fire did burn one thing. It burned what bound them. And they were free walking around. And you know what I've realized? I've realized that in life, set me some bound in sin, bound in pride, bound in arrogance, and through the fire of a trial, all of a sudden I'm set free from the arrogance and the pride. Remember, I told you to put in your memory bank, remember they said that when your faith is strong and tested and true, that it will end up in what? Praising God, honoring, glorifying. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise be to the God who sent an angel to rescue his servants. As a result of their trial by fire, King Nebuchadnezzar is praising their God. Sometimes what we go through, it's not for us, but it's for others to watch and observe that as you go through and are faithful, they end up praising God with you. Bow your heads with me. When I got to the point this week and I got to that passage where the king says, didn't we throw three men? And look, there's four. I, I can just imagine, I'm not saying this is what took place, but I can just imagine That when the Son of God showed up in that fire with those three Hebrew boys, at his first appearance, I can hear one of those Hebrew boys saying, something good is going to come out of this. Something good is going to come out of this. Something good is going to come out of this. And as I have reflected upon all the difficulties and the trials, I have to honestly say something good has always come out of this. It may be hard to understand when you're going through. But we know that God works all things together for good. If you're able, would you just stand to your feet? Boy, I'm just sensing that Jesus, 
Jesus. We're just going to wait on God this morning. If you need to leave, feel free at any time to slip out and just be conscious of those who, who need to linger in his presence.